Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Okay, James, it's almost uh, holiday time. I guess it is holiday time in some respects so it's it's a happy time you feel happy yes jonas i feel happy <laughs> are, we, are we gonna are we gonna break into christmas carols here on the show is that what it's maybe it should just be us singing and uh skipping for the first half of the show i'm pretty sure i ask you this every year but what is your favorite christmas movie and i'm pretty sure i ask you christmas. on the podcast well you know which one i, I love bad santa that's that's a tradition oh, for yeah. me to put, put that, that on yeah. and <laughs> put that on and have a scotch and just laugh at the insanity i don't know i mean i haven't gotten into the kids i've been taking the kids through the greatest hits my daughter hasn't seen like a lot of i show her i'm showing her all the stuff all the stuff i liked when i was a kid so um but the uh i i think i'm gonna sit the kids down and we're gonna watch the griswold christmas movie and they'll, they'll get to see the the joy that is chevy chase rocketing down the hill on a greased up cookie sheet so i gotta tell you i watched that on a plane not that long ago i don't think it's the best one I know it's like it's become known as the best one. I don't think it is the best one. I like I like the original better. I like Vegas better. Am okay. I like crazy or is that just I don't know. I I don't know if I have like a power ranking of those movies <laughs> to be honest. It's just it's just the Christmas one is just like Okay. I don't know. You, it's just like you put it on at Christmas and you just laugh at the stupid stuff like the what is it the the squirrel in the tree and the Yeah. You know. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, non-Christmas movie stuff to talk about. We'll talk about the Leafs' hot streak. I guess you would call it that. Uh, nine, one, and four. Uh, we're going to talk about Austin Matthews. We'll talk about Ilya Samsonov. Uh, what else do I have on my list? Uh, Kyle Dubas, obviously, will be back in town on the weekend. Um, we'll take some questions. So that's on the docket. But let's start with this stretch. So nine, one, and four since November ten. I just don't know, really know what to make of this this stretch. Like. I don't think it's been dominant in any sense. And yet, like, they've picked up a ton of points. Um, wh- what do you make of this this run that they've had the last six weeks? I, I guess the only thing I would add is I, I, I think where I would look is, like, I'd credit the coaching staff for kind of scotch taping this thing together. But that's that's really all I would say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what's the big, big roster change that happened what was the inflection point to where they were struggling to where they started winning games? Like, do you know off the top of your head? Well, I mean, they would say it's, it's Max Domi becoming their third line center. But like, I don't even think that I know like Sheldon Keefe has used this phrase, everything snapped into place once they did that. But I'm going to be writing about that today. I don't think that that is like a real solution. I don't think he really believes in that solution. I think it's true that it kind of 
made their lineup a little bit more like made it made sense a little bit more because you didn't have camp playing in their third line center spot where he wasn't producing any offense and getting killed um, possession wise. But I don't know, like they've had a lot of injuries on defense. Joseph wall was, was excellent, obviously at times. What do you like? What do you think? All right. So the one change that's been made. So if we're going to use November 10th as the inflection point, John Klingberg has played one game in that time span. So that yeah. was basically when that was the Vancouver game where he played really well and they played really well. That, that oddly taking, enough, taking him out of the lineup and also Ryan Reeves has started to sit games a lot. He, yes. He's played, he's missed six of the 14 games in that time frame. So yeah. that's a good point. You, you take out the two players who were negatively impacting their results the most. I think just just taking Klingberg out. I mean, and and we know now that he was playing through injury and everything, so it's not, um, you know, and and wish him all the best with his surgery and everything, and hopefully he can resume his career at some point. But he was dragging down their results a lot, and since that change happened, since they've gone to a decor built around, you know, Legison and Simon Benoit, and and. Uh, it, it was uh, Connor Timmons playing a lot. Uh, Max Lajoie coming in and playing some games. They've looked a lot better. Now, have they been world beaters? No, but they've been a lot better. And I think that you can you can justify some of the results just with that change alone. I think has been really big for them. Yeah, those are all really good points. Um, yeah, and like if you can pick up points when your defense is having. LeJoie and Benoit and Lagasin some nights. Like Lagasin and Benoit both played in the top four at times, which is like not played well. I, yeah, I, like know. played as well as you could expect. Like there are some nights when you can see this guy doesn't belong in the top four for both. But I mean it, it is sort of reminiscent to last year, except like they were excellent defensively during that stretch in November when they had injuries in goal. They had a million injuries on defense. It's just like I mean, five on five, they've been just okay. You look at that stretch, like they've outscored teams like 33-30, I think it is. They're like, I think they're like 10th in involving hockey's expected goals, 15th in natural stat trick. Their power yeah. play has been like, I, I have it written down, their power play is like ninth. Their penalty kill has been really good for the most part, sixth. They've been outshot overall, like. I don't know what to make of it. I like I guess what I'm what I'm asking you James like does this tell us anything about this team? Like and I guess my answer is no. Like I don't think that this is telling me that this is like a top 5 team in the league and I still have a lot of reservations about them as a Stanley Cup contender right now with the way the roster is put together. Yeah. I don't but know. you know with the caveats that they're missing their starting goalie, they're the the guy who was supposed to be their number one has is playing awful. Yeah, which we'll get and into. They're missing half. They're they're basically playing three AHL blue liners. Like they're playing their yeah. seven, eight, nine, and some nights ten defensemen that they came into the year with. Um. So you know if you can get by with, you, you know, like their scoring chance share and all that has been okay. And they've been finding ways to win games. So I think you you want to survive these games. But, uh, you know, I agree with you. They haven't looked like world beaters. Um, the game against Columbus is kind of like, it's kind of like an encapsulation of what this team is right now. It's, 
Yes. Really lackluster play for long stretches. Uh, you know, but then when they need to, they've got so much offensive talent that I mean, how many minutes did the big guys play in the game against Columbus? Like it felt like Marner, they were just so Marner twenty five, Matthews almost twenty five, Neander twenty three and change, Tavares twenty and change. So yeah. Keefe was just putting them over the boards like they like it was like at least every second shift. It felt like even more. They were just out there so yeah. much. How's this for a number? James, uh, Neander and Matthews combined for 19 shots on 30 attempts last night. We're recording this on Friday, by the way. Um, but so like you just go through some of the wins, James. Like that's that's what's tough about it. It's like so Calgary, they beat in a shootout. Vancouver, they they win handily. They beat Detroit by a goal. They beat Minnesota by a goal in OT. They win against Florida and Seattle in shootouts. They beat Ottawa by a goal. Nashville, they beat handily, play well. New York, they beat handily, play well. Those are the wins. It's just like, I don't know what to make of this stretch. Um, So I will continue to watch. It's not sustainable to win so many games by one goal and go to overtime so often. They're kind of on this weird streak of being in a lot of really close games and often coming out on the right side of it and picking up extra points when they do lose. And, um, you know, it's getting, it sounds like Logan's going to be back soon. I mean, what, what do you think all they're well, saying soon? Do you, what do you think on a time frame on that? Like, is this the, still a couple of weeks away or no? Well, the issue is like, they just haven't had any practices and like they were supposed to practice on Friday and they're not practicing on Friday. So he hasn't been in a full practice. And like, that's Sheldon Keith mentioned at one point that that's really kind of the real stress point for him, like coming back from a high ankle sprain is like, you want to see how he feels when he's really putting a lot of wear on it in practice. So I would think at least one practice, like I can't eat maybe even two, like that's, that's not a joke injury to come back from. So I don't think Saturday, I would guess like sometime next week. And then obviously there's the break for the holidays. So I don't know, soon, soon. What, uh, What do you think the blue line should look like when Logan gets back? I mean, I think it's fairly obvious what it'll end up looking like. It'll be Riley Brody, it'll be McCabe Lilligren, and then it'll be Benoit Timmons, like or Benoit slash Lagason Timmons. Um, I think the question I have, actually, I have a couple questions on that, James. I'm glad you brought it up. One is, I think McCabe has has played better on the right side. Like maybe that's just like how it's kind of worked out. You know what I think actually with McCabe? I think that when he plays more, he plays better. Like it seems like he has more confidence. He like handles the puck more. He Well, actually I so I asked him about this and he actually he actually said he thinks he's been playing better on the right. He's touching the puck okay. more is what he's I, I think I'm remembering that right is what he said. Um but yeah, he, he has been playing a lot of minutes, so that's been part of it. Like against Columbus, he plays twenty-four. He obviously scores a goal. Um I, I think one of the interesting like wrinkles is like, what does Logan look like when he comes back? Because like, that's a, a long time to miss and B we've seen like sometimes when you have a really good start and you, and then you miss a bunch of time. Like it takes you a while to kind of find your bearings again. And like, they're just going to have to stick them into playing big minutes again. That's such I'm, a crappy injury too. Like for mobility, it's, it can be really difficult to come back from and to trust the ankle and the strength in there. So it might just be, he might only be playing 17, 18 minutes a game when he gets back. Right. But that's a help. Like that's 17, 18 minutes. Like you can push Lagason down. You can push somebody else out. Like it, it's helpful for sure. I feel like I would probably sit Timmons. Although yeah. I mean, he's, had, 
He's had yeah. some good moments. He's one of those guys that really kind of can make a beautiful play, but also make a play where you're like, oh my God, get this guy off the ice. Yes. Yes. Um, before we talk about Matthews, I did want to mention um, or talk to you a little bit about what's happened with the Leafs in overtime. One of the like weird wrinkles is Tavares just doesn't play in overtime anymore. And it's, it's, it's bizarre in one sense because he's one of their highest paid players, their second highest paid player. He's one of the highest paid players in the league. He's, he just reached a thousand points. He might be a Hall of Famer one day. And like, he literally doesn't see the ice in overtime that game against Columbus. Like, Yarncroke goes, Domi goes. We've seen nights like Nyes goes. Sometimes Robertson has had the odd shift. Mostly it's Matthews, Martin, Neal, and Drew play. Do you think it's weird or do you think it makes sense? Like, he's not obviously a quick skater. The results in previous years have not been good, which we can talk about. What do you think this is? Yeah. I mean, you pointed out to me that this was happening. And I was like, well, look at his results the last few years. I mean, he's not a great skater. When you get down to three on three, speed is such a big part of everything, not only in opening up our opportunities, but being able to get back on the back check if you make a mistake. And he's just not really able to do it. So, you know, over time, it's a whole lot of Matthews, Marner, Nylander. Like it feels like they're almost out there every single shift. And then when they're not out there, you like, we really notice that they're not out there. Okay. So this is to your point, this is last season. This is on natural stat trick three on three. Tavares played 14 minutes and 21 seconds. The Leafs were outscored four to one. Dig a little deeper and it's even more. Oh my God. Shot attempts were 26 to four. Shots were 14 to three. I just remember last year they were awful when he was out there. And that would be the stats would back that up. So yeah. not much of a mystery when you you kind of boil it down. It's like who cares? It's like overtime, but overtime has now been consequential for them, obviously. But anyway, just a small wrinkle. Um Matthews, two more goals, just just scoring two goals every game now. He's on pace for 70. Um I wrote about this this week. I, I just think it's very easy, James. I don't know if you feel this way. To start just kind of being like, eh. And it, it really shouldn't be that way because it's just like a crazy season he's putting together despite not playing to his level most of the time. That's the strange thing is that he had that lull where he just, you know, he the latest games, you see how dominant he can be on both sides of the puck. Like there were, you know, Nashville looked like, it looked like they were almost playing an AHL team at times because he's out there just bullying them and like, some of the highlights in some of the games, it's just his skating looks unbelievable. Like he's just moving around the ice. Like he's almost like moving like a video game player or something like that. The way he can like dart in and out and he's all over the zone and he just looks big and fast and powerful. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know if the Sweden trip took a round out of him, but that was around kind of like when he was fading. And now it seems like he's back uh, at his best level. And, you know, maybe the dad's trip reinvigorated him because like he just he just lit up that whole trip when the dads were there watching and his old man Brian got a lot of uh he got more FaceTime on TSN than uh, than <laughs> some of the Le- some of the Leafs players that one game. Well, these are his last was it six games. Two goals, no goals, two goals, one goal, two goals, two goals. And I mean you you wondered about Sweden. So they come back from Sweden, there's a lull. Obviously, there are issues with Marner on that line. They take Marner off the line. They put Neilander on the line instead. I thought the interesting little nugget that Sheldon Keefe passed along was 
he started, I mean, he told Matthews he wanted him to start shooting the puck more and stop looking for others. And, and I was thinking about this, James, like, I wonder if the, if something was creeping in for Matthews where it's like the line is struggling. He knows Marner's struggling. Maybe like you're trying to get Marner going. You're maybe looking to make the extra play. You start overthinking it. And you look the last little bit, like he had 11 shots against the Islanders. He had nine shots against Columbus. He had seven shots in that Boston game. He scores twice. He's just gotten back to being Matthews who like couldn't lead the league in shots. And I wonder if it's just that simple, but you added the point about his skating, which just like when he's coming through the neutral zone with, with speed, he's just like, there's no stopping him. He's 6'3", 220. Um, so I guess it's just like an amount is amalgamation, the right word, just like all these different things kind of coming together for him. And you look at his season, it's just like 23 goals in 27 games is nuts. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why he got 13 and change. Yes. On his yeah, next that contract. would be why. I mean, yeah, you know, right. like he looks like one of the best two or three players in the world. And that's what the Leafs need that. I mean, that's the way they're built right now. They don't if when he doesn't look like that, it's the same thing. Like so much talk about Edmonton start. If McDavid's not McDavid. They're going to lose games, and that's what was happening for them earlier in the year. And you know they need they need this version of Matthews that just completely dominates and owns the game in the playoffs. That's like they they need a series where he puts up you know fifteen points and is just like a huge factor in a lot of the games. And yeah, you know it's it's you know it's been one of the stories that the core four guys just haven't been completely dominant the way that they can be. And I think that's the the frustration with this team is that they can play as badly as they did against Columbus to start the game. And they can play as well as they did in coming back in that game. And it's just, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde two team thing. And it's the way with this core group, it's the way that it's been for a long time. Like, like that game was, and it's funny, it's against Columbus because it's almost like that series they played against Columbus, you know, three and a half years ago. It's the, there aren't that many players on the ice that are the same, but it's the same laundry. It's the same teams. And, the way that they played was was eerily similar. Yeah, but like there's and and you're right. There's no part of me, even when it's five nothing, that's thinking this game is over. None. Like I'm just thinking that all they need is to get one, and then if they get two within the first like ten minutes, it's a game because like they can score two in in no time. Like they don't need much. But you're right. Like when when he's not going, and then you think, well, Marner hasn't been going all season, really. It's it's really Neil under or nothing because like Tavares kind of five on five isn't going to drive play and their other lines are obviously aren't going to be like machines and that's what we were seeing like I guess I mean when you put it like that that's kind of the issue um, if I'm reading this right James from Hockey Reference his pace right now adjusted is 69 goals and 104 points which would be better than the adjusted numbers from the Hart Trophy winning season. Which and where was, does that put him, like, historically? Like, there can't be that many seasons adjusted that are that high. I ha- would have to look at that. But I thought one of the numbers that I kind of skipped over is there of only, if I'm not mistaken, um, this is just off the top of my head, I think there are only 23 seasons of 60 goals or more. Like, ever. And he might be getting his second mm-hmm. in eight seasons. Like, that's just insane. I mean... It's, it really is just crazy how easily he can score. And like you just see when he gets the puckets off, his sticks so fast. So, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Well, I mean, what, what is this? His seventh or eighth season? Eighth, eighth season? Eighth, eighth season. Yeah. I mean, it's almost to the point with him. And it's even like with the stories we write and stuff. It's like, what new do you say about him? It feels like we've like 
we've covered every angle and I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of, he's that, that's why I think, you know, there's some grumbling about the contract and, you know, the four top four guys make too much money and whatever. I mean, like, I think you, you feel good about what you've paid Matthews all along all day. I mean, I like you have, you have one of the best players of this era in the league. You have someone that they put up a graphic during one of the games the other day. I think Jonas, you were on the road. You probably didn't see it on TV. And he's actually ahead of Ovechkin's pace at the same number of games played. Yes. So uh, there's a world where if Matthews can stay healthy, the way that, I mean, Ovechkin obviously has missed so few games has been part of it, but there's a world where Matthews is like chasing the all-time greats in, in career goals. Like imagine that's part of his legacy playing for the Leafs. Well, if he stays healthy, he will. Like it, it just doesn't seem like there's going to be anything other than that that would stop him potentially. I mean, so I'm pulling this from Stathead, James. This is the first eight seasons of a career sorted by adjusted goals. Wayne Gretzky, number one, 430. Alex Ovechkin, number two, 426. Austin Matthews, number three, 400. Now, he obviously hasn't completed his eighth season. So, I mean, that just kind of tells you. So he could move to the top of that list pretty easily. Right? Like, so I guess, I, let me just do it seventh season and see where he puts in. Let's just see here. You always want to read stats on a podcast. Uh, it's a little different. Okay. A little Because <laughs> <laughs> he had the 40-goal season last year. I guess if you add in this season when he has 23 and 27, I it's more impressive. But anyway, I mean, the list of players, like he, he could become, if he gets to 60, only the ninth player ever to score 60 twice. Like not even Ovechkin has scored sixty twice, and he might be the greatest scorer ever. So, well, it's it's interesting too, Jonas. Like the NHL's higher scoring this year. Like goalie save percentages keep going down, down, and down. The last I looked, the average save percentage in the league was nine oh four. It could invite this era where there's going to be players putting up, you know, probably not eighties numbers, but like certainly mid nineties numbers when you would get at least a handful of players get a hundred points and, and 50 goals is, is something relatively attainable. And, yeah, you know, it, and, and that could work in the favor of someone like Matthews, who's, who's building this legacy is, you know, and then putting up numbers like it, they, people might be able to chase some of the records a little bit better if it's easier to produce offense. Well, to your point, like you look right now, uh, the average goals per game is 3.14. Yeah. When his career started, 16, 17, 2.77. It's a big difference. I mean, so you just take that extra boost of of whatever that is. Uh, uh, I was going to do the math in my head. Like, and it's like an extra 15% or whatever and apply that to everybody. I mean, it's, it's going to be a jump. And gone are the days from the dead puck era where a point a game made you an elite player in the league. That's just, that's not the way it is. I mean, that Kucherov's got 50 points in 30 games. Uh, you got a bunch of the Canucks guys that have like 40 points in, in 30 games, including a defenseman in Quinn Hughes, who's fifth in league scoring right now. And, you know, McDavid's just starting to turn it on. He's got 40 points in 25 games. I feel like, you know, there's going to be a push for 150 points here probably this season. And that's that's good for the sport if, you know, there's a little bit more offense than we've seen in the last 20 years. Yeah. Good point. I mean, McDavid had, what did he have, 153 points last year or something? Something insane. So, uh, let's take a break. Let's get into, I want to ask you a little bit about the playoff situation right now, just in the East. 
Uh, we'll talk Samsonov, we'll talk Dubas's return, and then we'll get to questions. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking a W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. One of the interesting wrinkles before we get to Samsonov that I think is going to be interesting to see if it plays out is you've got teams like Carolina, Tampa, Jersey, to a lesser degree, Pittsburgh, hanging in and around the playoff race. Like There's a world where one, two of them doesn't make it, maybe three of them. And you could be a team like Boston, or the Rangers who wins the division and ends up having to play one of those teams. Yeah. What do you make of that? Like, what do you think is going on in some of those teams? Like, obviously, the cap is, has impacted Tampa greatly. Carolina's goaltending has been an issue. Do you think those teams just inevitably turn it around and make the playoffs and all as well? Well, yeah. I mean, Tampa didn't have Vasilevsky and they didn't have a good situation with their backup goalies. Carolina has been good, other than their goalies have been horrific. And with, you know, injuries have been a big impact. I mean, just like you, Pittsburgh's coming in here tomorrow. Like, look at, look at their forward lineup. Have you looked at who they've been playing? Like, I watched without- the Montreal game and, and that was my reaction. I'm like, how are they playing all these different guys that I've like, who shouldn't be playing this many minutes? And it's just like, what is this well, team right now? They have a lot of injuries, obviously. They, they have some players. In- I mean, that's the biggest reason they're losing games from the Pittsburgh games I've watched. I mean, people are blaming the Carlson trade and whatever. I mean, Carlson is on pace for 65 points and has underlying numbers that are off the charts. And I don't think Carlson's the reason they're losing games. The interesting thing, too, is like their goaltending has been really good, which is a bit of a surprise. It's and it's uh, wait, uh, I would say it's been really good at times and then really not good at times. Like Jari's just been like some nights he's awesome and he gets a shutout and then other nights, not so much. But well, yeah, I mean, we just said that the league average save percentage in the league is nine oh four. He's at like nine sixteen or nine seventeen or something. And Nadelkovich yeah. has been really good in the games that he's played. And um, but like their their forward group is like it's a huge reason why they're not winning right now. You know that they've got Drew O'Connor on the first line with Crosby. They've got Valtteri Pustinen on the second line with Malkin. Their third line is Sahorna, Lars Eller, and Hinnestroza. A couple of guys there who could like barely crack the league recently. And the fourth line is a bunch of guys most people haven't heard of. Like it's it's not good, you know. So I I do think that Tampa and Carolina are going to figure it out to answer the go back to your question. I think that they're going to be fine and make the playoffs. Jersey, I think, is going to be fine. All three of those teams have had issues in goal. Um but I, I, the thing working in their favor is there's not like a lot of teams chasing them, right? Like there's, you know, like unless Ottawa goes on a heater, like Montreal, it looks like Montreal, Ottawa, Buffalo, Columbus are already out of it in the East. So it's not going to be like a a murderer's row. The question is what happens with, th- there's the three upstart teams with Washington, Philadelphia, Detroit. I'm pretty sure Philadelphia is going to sell before the deadline and fall out. Washington doesn't really seem to have the horses. I mean, they can't seem to score any goals. I'd be surprised if they hang in it. 
So there's two spots right there for for uh, a Carolina or a Tampa or a Pittsburgh to figure it out and get in the playoffs. Or Jersey, I guess, would be the other one. Jersey's I think New Jersey's, they're going to be fine. Like they're, they're, it's, it's a good team. Do you know what stood out to me, though, James, uh, watching Pittsburgh? Not that we're going to dive deep into Pittsburgh. Malkin just isn't like, I mean, it's not that surprising. He's just not like, he was unbelievable in his prime and he's just not there anymore to me. Like Crosby is still Crosby-ish. And you, you remember, like, Malkin's 37. Like, he's not... Yeah. Those guys are still, like, for what their contracts are, they're fine, but... Yeah. I mean, but it's the, just the like... Problem... At, but you look at their team, and it's just like, okay, well, you have Crosby, you have Gensel, who's still Gensel, and then it's like, well, who else is supposed to be they're so offensively? Like, they they're don't really so have anyone. It's funny, you watch New Jersey, and they've got, like, two 19-year-old defensemen playing in their top four, and and they've got yeah. Jack Hughes, and, like, it, you know, it's kind of like, okay, you can see, like, this is, like, the next generation of contender, and Pittsburgh's, like, just trying to hang on with all these, like, old guys, and Crosby's playing unbelievable, but he just doesn't have enough help right now up front. Uh, Ilya Samsonov gives up, I, I guess it's six in the end, Um yeah, I had him dressed in my hockey pool. It was great. Yeah, I think I think that I think that game's going to cost me the week there this week. Why would you dress him like given the way it's gone? Do you not have well, anyone else, or you just figured I mean, he, the Leafs are winning? And I didn't. I didn't play him against Nashville. <laughs> I left him on the IR, and that's good. You know, well, he puts up the shutout, yeah, so not it's not it's not good. So I was like, all right, well, maybe he's got to figure it figured out. Also, it's Columbus, Jonas. Col- yeah, it's Toronto right. against Columbus. It's like even if he's bad, you're going to get the four points for the win. But but no, so um, I think I'm I'm perilously close to to dropping him entirely and trying to go with some unknown goalie and try and make it happen. Maybe I'll pick up Alex Lyon from uh, from Detroit. Maybe you should just pick up Martin Jones because honestly, James, I, I kind of feel like if I was on that coaching staff right now, and obviously the decisions like in goal are primarily made by. Curtis Sanford, obviously Sheldon Keefe is going to have a big hand in that. But I would just say, you know what? If, if Jones plays well-ish, let's just play Jones because like it's just not happening right now. And it's I don't know what they do um, so, or, or uh, when it gets to the point where you're just like, we have to do something. We might have to get rid of this guy. Like, Yeah. I mean, I I, I'm. do you think you play Jones against Pittsburgh on Saturday? Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would do. Wouldn't you? Like, I, I, What have I seen from Samsonov that, that tells me that he should be playing. Like he wasn't good against the Islanders. He wasn't good. I just in the Columbus game. I, I mean, wonder if they give him like one more shot to, cause like he played well against, I mean, I know he didn't have lots to do, but he was fine against Nashville in that game. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you just want to like keep giving him votes of confidence, but yeah, he certainly point. hasn't given you any, he hasn't given you any reason to, to have those votes of confidence. I mean, the, the Columbus game was, was pretty brutal. His numbers he, are so bad now. Like it's yeah, he's down to eight seventy eight. He's given up forty one goals and thirteen starts, which is a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. Like he just he doesn't look like the same goalie at all. He doesn't look like he doesn't look confident. What do what, do you think? Trading him is like actually like you brought this up in the last podcast. Do you think it's actually like a viable thing? I, I feel like well, it would just dumb. dumb. It would just be a salary dump, like to someone else. You'd you'd have to like include something, right? Like, yeah, you'd have to help you. No, I mean, if you could flip him for another goalie, give something to the other team. Maybe there's a way to make it happen. 
boy, it's it's rough. Like it's hard to it's it just hasn't gone for him. Obviously, um, what else was on my list here? Oh yeah, uh, we should mention that that Ryan Reeves obviously gets hurt in that game against Columbus. It, obviously, he's going to miss some time. That didn't look great. He's an older player. It's it hasn't been as bad for him. It's not been going well or anything, but tough for him. And obviously, he joins John Klingberg. Another injury. Um, yeah, like I mean, the only thing that I would add on that point, James, like with the Reeves injury, is if I'm the Leafs, I'd kind of like to have seen a little bit more from Bobby McMahon. Like it, it just hasn't, just hasn't happened. Like the opportunity is there, and it's just like, eh. Yeah, I'm surprised because last year when he came in, he was noticeable, and this time I haven't really. Uh, and maybe that's just that line is just not out there very much and not very effective. I don't know, but I think it's good actually that they get they're going to get this look without Reeves for a little while, just to like see some other options and mix some other guys in and try and find something on that fourth line because it hasn't been very effective all year, basically. No. It hasn't. Um, I mean, he does have three assists, but like, I just don't think he's really run with the opportunity. Uh, we did mention Pittsburgh. Kyle Dubas coming back to Toronto for the first time. We didn't really talk about uh, that first game when the Leafs were in Pittsburgh. Is there any, like, do you have any thoughts on this? Like, I don't really have much to say about him coming back. Like, it's not like they're going to honor him or anything. I don't know. Well, I mean, they might do something on the scoreboard. No, no chance. I don't think so. You did don't they, they, did they do one. For, they did one for Lou, didn't they? When he came back. Oh, great question. You you might actually be right, but they didn't I fire. They Lou. did. They didn't fire Lou. They kind of did. I mean, not in those words. They basically remember they made him like a senior advisor, and then he's just like, "Yeah, that's not happening." And he left. Well, I'll put it this way: I I'm, I know Dubas won't want them to do anything. No. And I mean, the, what do you? What do you think of like Dubas has turned down all media requests from everyone in Toronto and everyone in Pittsburgh. So he's trying to go under the radar here with this. He just doesn't want to talk about the Toronto experience anytime soon. And I get it. I don't, I don't really honestly think it would do him any service to like rehash all that stuff. Like what, what good does it do him? Like the pro the, the issue is like, he's never talked about it at all. Like, and, and the circumstances kind of dictated it to be that case, like he gets fired and literally within a couple of weeks, he's hired by Pittsburgh and he's like, I don't want to, I'm just focused on Pittsburgh. I don't want to talk about Toronto. Who cares about that anymore? So we just never have gotten his side of the, that story. All right. we got was, was Brendan Shanahan coming out and telling his version of events, which I found bizarre. Um, so that's it. Like, I don't know what else there is to really say about the situation. It's I'm so sure. weird, though, like to have a former GM in the biggest market in the league for five years, part of the organization for almost a decade, and then just like disappears and becomes a ghost and doesn't want to talk about it. And yeah, I don't and, know. and might never address it like ever. Like, I, I wouldn't rule that out. Well, I think that the problem is if you either have to lie. Like the truth's not going to come out. He's not, they're not, he's not going to come out and like air all the dirty laundry. I mean, if anyone wants to hear about some of the behind the scenes, what went on and why he got fired and all that kind of stuff, they can listen to some of the shows we did at the time back in May. I mean, it's there, there was a power struggle between Shanahan and Dubas. It didn't go Dubas's way. So, I mean, I don't know if there's more, much more to say. I mean, he's not going to talk about any of that publicly. No, he's not. But there's a lot. There's a lot of nitty gritty stuff within what you're talking about there that we just don't know because we haven't heard from him. And and you're right. Like even if he did address it publicly, it's not like he's going to get into like every 
a little machination of that whole situation. So I just don't. He should just talk, pick one outlet, and talk to them. How about the athletic? <laughs> I don't think he's going to pick us. I know some people think that think that there's like uh, I don't know some sort of relationship there or something, but uh, trust me, there is not. I mean, to me, it's kind of like a continuation of when he was here. He didn't really talk that much and wasn't really that present with the media. No, poor the Pittsburgh writers went from like, well, actually not Ron Hexall, but they went from like Jim Rutherford, who was like the most talkative GM ever in the history of the league, to like a couple rounds later to Dubas, who is like Lamorello-ish. Actually, Lamorello will talk. He just won't say anything. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. uh, Let's take a break and then let's get to some questions. Okay, James, you had a revolutionary idea for questions on the podcast. Tell us what it is. Did I? Maybe I don't even know what it was. Yeah, you put it on the app. Oh, I see. Yes, if you want to ask questions for the podcast, I will put a little post in the app doing a call out for people to to leave questions. So um, the only problem with this is we have, there's a lot of questions. I put this up like midnight last night and... uh you know, nine, 10 hours later, there's just like 70 plus questions. So we apologize. We're not going to get to all of them, but we will get to the ones that uh, the most people thumbs up and want to want to hear us address. So um, I don't know how long we have, Jonas, but we, we have a, certainly have a lot of questions to get through. Get her going. All right. all right. James B, quality first name, quality, quality. I wonder if the B stands for Bertel. Huh? James B says... Thanks for posting a question thread here. So he's on board with you. He thinks it's revolutionary. Um, and and James says, uh, his question is, do we think that Samsonov is broken for good? Or is there uh, something that can give him a psychic reset that he needs to find his game? What, what, what do you think? Like, this is the thing with, I think about with maybe giving him the Pittsburgh game is like, give him a real short leash. You know, you want him to try and figure things out and play his way out of it. I know it's been brutal so far, but he's not going to get better sitting on the bench watching Martin Jones play. Yeah. And like, we kind of know, we know what Martin Jones is. Like Martin Jones won a lot of games for Seattle. His numbers were obviously not very good. I just, I guess the only thing James is like, I don't feel like Jones is going to beat you in the way that Samsonov is kind of beating them. Like he's giving up goals that just shouldn't be goals. And like, I mean, Jones is not like Jones is incredible or anything like that. And the question is like, is he broken? It's like, it is only 13 games, but there just hasn't, he just hasn't put together any kind of run where you're like, eh, there he is. Like he's, he's okay. It's just like, what do you do? How many times do you keep playing him before? It's like, uh, I mean, like when when Wall is healthy sometime in January, maybe February, who knows? I wonder what they do. I, I guess we'll see what happens with Samsonov in that stretch and Jones, but... I think that's just, probably why you, you got to keep rolling Samsonov out there because you need to know, like, is this guy even part of the rest of the season? Like, I think you just, you have to live with some bad performances here. You've built a little bit of a cushion with the games that you've won. I think you give him another four or five chances and if it's still brutal, then all of a sudden you're looking at... I don't know. I mean, I, you could probably wave him and send him down like the way the Oilers did with Campbell. It buys you an extra 1.15 on the cap. And then at some point, if you need to dump that money, you dump it. Well, I'm glad you brought Campbell up because it does feel Campbell-ish in terms of like him completely losing his confidence. 
it, it feels the same way. And obviously you remember that stretch. Remember he came out after that one game and just like kind of just and bared his soul and said like he was really fighting it and he was hurting his team. It feels like that with, with Samsonov and, and obviously Campbell kind of turned it around a bit after that. So maybe that's still in there somewhere. I don't, I don't know. That was a better defensive team than this one. So, I mean, if you're Samsonov, you're coming, you're UFA at the end of the year. You know, you're, he, they had hopes for getting a big contract as a free agent. And if he plays like this, I don't know if he'll get any contract. You know, if you could go into the offseason as an 870 save percentage, no one's going to want you. Yeah. Maybe a backup or maybe he goes to the KHL. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see. Did uh, producers asking, did Samson have talked to the media after the game last night? I was not at the game, so I did uh, not know. My mistake. Do not know. My, my mistake. I can ask uh, that man, Josh Klokaser. All right. Uh, DuPont wants to know the producer saying that Samsonov was not made available to talk to the media. So um, probably not in the right headspace. Uh, do you know, wait, can uh, I just interrupt you on that, James? Do you know, it's incredible. So I obviously follow the NBA really closely. Every game, no matter what happens, like if crazy stuff happens, NBA makes their players available. Like there was a situation in golden state earlier this week where they literally scratch clay Thompson. Who's like their one of their all time icons scratch or not scratch him. They benched him down the stretch for the first time. Never happened before. Draymond green has this crazy situation in the game. Both guys talk after the game. Like it just, it, it, they, there's none of that stuff, which happens in the NHL. Do they find the teams if they don't do it? They must, they must, they must. The policy just must be so strict that it's not even an option, but like you, you know how it goes in the NHL. Like if there's a a situation in a game where a guy might get suspended, there is a 0% chance he is talking after the game. In the NBA, that's not happening. It's every game, no matter what happens. They talk like Andrew Wiggins was also benched in that game. He talked after the game. Like I was reading the story uh, from our Warriors guys at the Athletic, and I was just like, it's insane. Like they get to talk to all these guys after all this crazy stuff happens. They address it. It just should be the way it is in the NHL, and it just isn't. That's just I just want yeah. to mention that. Anyway. Well, I mean, credit to the PR staffs with a lot of teams around the league and the. Uh, the Leafs are one of them. Like the PR staffs are just, they've gotten very, very good at, you know, if someone's not in the right headspace to talk, they just, they just don't talk. It's every um, team in that, in that kind of situation. They just, I don't know why yeah. it's that way. I mean, like some NHL teams, like where there's not a lot of media and whatever, it's, it's not, it's not buttoned up the same way that it is here. Yeah. Fair. I guess stuff also is blown up more here than it is elsewhere. But I mean, anyway. Well, think about how much it's changed since we started. Like, I think my first year was 07, I think, and you were here even earlier than that. And just like the way that access, how kind of like, how loose it was and you could just walk in the dressing room and you could like sit down next to whoever you wanted and talk to them for half an hour. Like, it just, it's not the same as it used to be. Look at you, Clint Eastwood, Grand Torino. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, I'm getting I'm getting there. Uh all right. Do 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 DuPont wants to know uh when Lilgren and Giordano return. So we're talking probably a month. Um yeah. who among Benoit? Oh, he calls him Largison. Oh, I like that. We should call him that when he gets in fights in front of the net. Benoit, Largison, and Timmons. Who will be sticking around? He says as the seventh defenseman, but um 
I could see one of them. I mean, I, you, there's a world where those guys have played so well and they have the cap space now. They don't have to play Giordano every night. So Giordano could be your six, seven guy now. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's like, I mean, the sixth, I kind of think Benoit of that bunch has played the best. Yeah, I agree. But, I 100% I agree. I mean, he's been, which surprises me because he's not the greatest skater, but he look, just looks really, really comfortable. I think he's a... The way that he's played, he looks like a perfect third pair guy right now. Yeah, it's just like if if you're playing with Giordano, you have to play him on the right, and I don't think he is right. as good on the right. And then it's like, well, well, so maybe it's, it's a legacy and legacy and Benoit third yeah. pair. Yeah, or maybe you just rotate the three of them, or I don't yep. know. It'll be interesting to see what Giordano looks like after that injury because, like, we talked about it at one point when those older guys have injuries like that where you miss a bunch of time, like it can be really hard for them to catch back up. Uh, Matthew V wants to know, this is probably more a question for you, Jonas, because I know you've been at a lot more like the skates and stuff like that. He wants to know, uh, what do you think about Guy Boucher, uh, as an assistant coach and his work so far this season? Do you think he's been a good addition to the coaching staff? That's a good question. Uh, I don't love their power play. I've, I've mentioned that before their power play. I mean, it's still sixth in the NHL, 25.6%. I don't love the way that I mentioned this too. Like, the way they practice it, like they don't practice it nearly as much as they did under Carberry. It doesn't feel nearly as unpredictable and tight. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and even like there's been the odd comment from a player that they'd like to kind of practice it more. And like, we don't get to talk to him. So it's, it's hard to know what he's thinking on some of these things. Um, but I mean, I think like I mentioned it before, like aside from like Matthew scoring a ton and obviously Neilander continues to just put points up in every game, 24, 27. Now he's had points. I just think their coaching staff deserves credit for making this work. Like their penalty kill was a disaster in the beginning because they had nobody who would kill penalties. And now their penalty kill is like competent and it's like they're playing Benoit and they're playing Lagasin. Like Gregor is like their fourth penalty killing option. Matthews and Neilander are now regular penalty killers. Matthew Nyes does it from time to time. I just think like if you're going to circle one thing, it's like the coaching staff are finding a way to make this work because Max Domi is a third line center. I don't think I mentioned before, it doesn't really work in a lot of ways. And they're, I'm, yeah. So anyway, I think their coaching staff deserves a lot of credit. Dean Chanouth on their penalty kill has obviously done a lot of work, but yeah, as to Boucher, like, I don't like, it's hard to say. I don't know. Even strength Domi in the last in the fourteen game stretch we've been talking about where they they have the good record. Uh, Domi's averaging just barely over ten minutes a game at even strength five on five. So mm-hmm. you know they're they're not really playing that that third and fourth line that much. That's actually a good segue to the the next question here. Um, next question comes from Zachary. Zachary wants to know: Does Nick Robertson look like a bona fide NHLer to you? You can answer first. Some games he does, and some games he does not. Um, you know, he's got eight points in the 16 games. Underlying numbers are kind of soft. He's not playing a lot of minutes. I don't, well, For me, with him, it kind of comes and goes. There's some nights where I like him and some nights where I don't like him. And normally what that means is you're kind of a tweener. And, you know, I don't know. They, I, I still think... I think that what they need to do before the deadline, I think they need a right shot top four defenseman, so a Chris Tanev or maybe somebody else. And I think they need another forward that bumps someone down 
off of the third line and it would probably be Robertson that would get bumped. Yeah, it's just hard to see a situation where they're playing Robertson on that line in the playoffs. Right? Yeah. Like and and I think that the big point I would make, James, with him, to your point, like I think tweener is really the right word. He just hasn't played a lot of games. And like you can kind of feel that. Like he's played mm-hmm. So you think he's fading then is what we're seeing where the... No, like I kind of think like he's just a very inexperienced player and he's playing like he's barely played in the AHL and it's not like he's like Mitch Marner coming out of junior. Well, I guess like he kind of was with the wet that season, but like you can see him trying, like you can see him like really trying to push and like be more physically and yeah, like he's, he's putting what he has out there. It's just a question of like, is it, is it enough? I, I, he's been fine. Like I'm not, I'm not talking about like taking him out of the lineup right now or anything, but, um, I don't know. I don't know that he's just, he's not making an impact a lot of nights. Yeah. And to your point, they don't play that line a lot. Some nights. Like he's had minute nights where he plays seven, eight minutes. So, and obviously offensively, it has to be the thing for him. And like one of the things, like if you look at his shot chart, he doesn't get a ton of shots and doesn't get a ton of shots like in tight. So anyway, we'll see how it goes. Like he's still super young, super inexperienced. All right, Chris wants to know, should we be more focused on the trend that the Leafs can't win games in regulation or the trend that they don't lose games in regulation? All these close games make me feel like they're overperforming or underperforming, but I'm not sure which one. (laughs) And he says, new game for Jonas, overperforming or underperforming. (laughs) I like that game. The the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think the answer is like somewhere in the middle, right? Like you want to be a team that's winning some games by two, three, four goals and that you're not going to a shootout every second night, you know, and then the fact that the fact that they're winning and losing so many games in extra time, it's kind of just a statistical anomaly really it is what it is. It's kind of like people looking at like home and road records. Like sometimes teams go on runs where they play a lot of one goal games and sometimes teams go on runs where they win a lot of one goal games and I know that there's been work statistically done on it by some of the the nerdy people in the the hockey world, and it's not sustainable to win a whole bunch of one goal games in a row. So, you know, I, they're they're kind of. But if they can get through this stretch, banking as many points as they are like this, and they can get to a point where they're playing better in the second half of the season, then I think there's room for some optimism. So, of their 27 games, 16 have been one goal games. What do you think their record is in that? stretch or oh, in those games it's, it's good i mean i don't know what the i mean how many have they lost in overtime the record's probably like seven two and six or something weird like that nine one and six in one right. goal games right i th- I think you could look at it from both sides i think it's like because of the firepower that they have at the top of the lineup they're never out of any game as that columbus game would tell you i mean you look last year even james they were 21, 4, and 11 in one goal games. Um, but they also can't shut down games. Like, you never feel like when they're up a goal or up two goals that it's like over. Like, even that Ranger game, they go up and it's like you go into that second period and you're thinking, this game is not over. And then New York makes it 4 3, and then they get the Leafs get the 5 3, and it kind of is over. But it just, they just can't shut down games. And that's like a worrisome trend when you look at it the playoffs, because obviously you have to be able to shut down a game. So, uh, Kevin wants to know if Samsonov continues to falter, do you think that Dennis Hildeby gets a chance? 
Hildeby has been putting up, he's leading, last I looked, he was leading the AHL in save percentage. I think he's only played like seven games, but he's got big time numbers down there. 22 years old, six foot seven. Uh, what was he, a fourth round pick a couple years ago? Yeah, I have his numbers in front of me, James. He is his 927 save percentage on 1.8 goals against average, if you like that stat. So. I got to get down and see some more Marley's games. Normally, I go to a few games during the course of the year. I haven't been yet this year. Um, he's been very, very good. And that looks like it was a good pick for the Leafs early on. Obviously, with goalies, it's been unpredictable. You you need to be careful with goalies rushing them too early. Like you can see, you know, Buffalo had had Devin Levi come in and, and play this year. And I think it was too early for him and he struggled. And that's been one of the stories of the Sabre season. Calgary's been very patient with Dustin Wolf, um, you know, despite the fact he's had so much AHL success. I think teams don't like to rush goalie development because the difference between NHL shooters and AHL shooters is is a lot. Um, so I think unless there's another injury, my guess is we don't see Hildeby come up to the NHL this year. But um, I guess we'll see. I mean, if if they decide that to move off from Samsonov, then I would think Hildeby is probably your number three all of a sudden at that point, unless they bring someone else back in. Would any part of you be inclined to try to actually make like a swinging goal or that's not. You mean like trade out Samsonov and bring in someone else? Not just trade out like Samsonov and bring in someone else, bring on someone else who's like legit. Well, I don't think it would be. I don't know. I mean, who's a legit goalie who's available in a trade though? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think that there's, there's a bunch of teams that are carrying three goalies where, you know, like Detroit could move off of, say like a James Reimer that that might make sense um why am i blanking on who the other teams are with three goalies there's been a there's been a few of them and it's been kind of a weird situation with you know teams just aren't comfortable with their top 2 and they're they're mixing in other guys i mean carolina obviously had three but now anderson's hurt so they're back down to two um there there definitely are some goalies available who would be upgrades over what samsonov is giving them right now and I could see a, a swap like that making sense closer to the deadline, probably. Yeah, it's just like you're putting a lot. I mean, Wall's been obviously very good, but he's still like so unproven and you just don't know. And But I guess like, I mean, Aiden Hill won for Vegas last year, so maybe none of that stuff matters. I don't know. Uh, our old friend Belvedere, which is a great name. I'm guessing that's probably someone's last name, right? Do you think someone's first name is actually Belvedere? Could be. Uh, they wonder, uh, wouldn't the smart thing be to trade Fraser Minton in some sort of a deadline deal? His stock is high right now, but players like that often don't live up to the hype. I don't know what he or she means by don't live up to the hype, but, um, you know, Fraser Minton's going to be playing big minutes on the world junior team on a big stage. His trade value could, uh, could potentially skyrocket here. What do you think about him potentially being a chip for them to make something happen with? I guess it just depends who and what their contract is and like what kind of impact they would make. Like, would I trade Fraser Minton if I were the Leafs for like Chris Tanev? I don't think so. No. Like, I think if it's I, someone that's not a rental that's going to help you for a couple of years and it's an impact player, then I think well, it, it it's makes like, sense. what if like, yeah, if like you can do something bigger where you can address multiple needs and like maybe you also have to give up like your first, then I, then I, think about it i mean they just don't have a lot i mean we'll see who knows what they have coming like we'll see if some of these like if hildeby becomes a thing we didn't see that 
coming a year ago. So we'll see. I mean, I think you have to consider anything just based on where they are, right? Like Tavares is 33. Riley is, well, Riley's not the issue, but like their D is, is older. Marner's only signed for one more year after this. Tavares obviously only signed for one more year after this. Neilander is unsigned. Like you kind of are in go for it mode every year. Yep. I think as long as, you know, while you have Matthews on the next contract, I mean, that's your contention window and you keep pushing. And I know people find it frustrating to give up future assets and then lose in the first round, which, which makes sense. But I don't think that that should change. I don't think you just stop going for it. I mean, that said, I mean, you'd like the team to look better before you start pushing in to like this to be like a, uh, you know, a go for it, win all everything year. I mean, you know, I think you have to hope that cross your fingers that they start playing more like a contender every night as you get deeper into the season here. Well, if the season ended today, they would play Florida. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the way it's going to line up, too. I mean, I know it's early, but like it seems like Boston's pulled and I mean, how far? Not really. Played? They're only four points ahead. Same games. Right. Played. Right. They've yeah. They've been struggling. Yeah. They've been they've been struggling. Yeah. Just don't, but, they can't, they can't try and beat Boston in a tie because regulation wins is the first tie break and the Leafs have like <laughs> eight regulation wins in 27 yes. games. So, yeah, it's kind of incredible. Like they have the second fewest regulation wins in the East. And then, and then tie. Florida is three back of the Leafs and they've played two more games. And then Tampa has played two more games than even Florida. The, the number of the games played are all over the place for teams. Tampa's another three back of, of Florida for that third spot. So, well, wait, uh, no, you're the, looking at Tampa and Florida or Florida and Toronto have the same amount of points. It's just the Leafs have played two fewer games. Yeah. Sorry. I'm looking at, I'm, I'm looking at it by like points percentage. So, so mm, Florida is, okay. is back of, yeah, gotcha, sorry. Gotcha, gotcha. Sorry. Florida is 11th in the league. The Leafs are sixth. Tampa is 18th. I'm just looking at, I'm trying to factor in the games played. Yeah, you're right. I got the point total wrong there. Uh, so the Lightning are only three back of both Toronto and Florida. So they're still very much in play, even though they didn't have Vasilevsky for a big chunk of the start of their season. And again, they've also played more games. But but that's how, like the East is, is kind of pretty tight. Like you could have a bad week and be out of the playoffs. Yep. Yep. So. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Jason wants to know is how big of a factor was the illness that's going through the team. Matthew Nyes has obviously been out with the, uh, I guess, a flu bug or something like that. Do you have a sense of how many guys on the team have went through that on the New York trip? It just sounds like it's kind of going around. I mean, I think it's going around just everywhere as it is every year at this time. Um, and their their schedule has just been really busy this last little bit, right? Like they come back from Sweden they don't have a ton of games and then they just have a ton of games and they're playing every other day travel. It's just been a hectic pace and like, yeah, I don't know much more to say than that. Uh, Peter from New Zealand has a question. Thanks for listening from New Zealand. And it must be hard to be a Leafs fan from there. Just with trying to watch the games. Uh, Peter wants to know, is it a failure of roster construction to need to make trades in season every year? Seems like it's hard to settle into an existing system, but you both seem to think it's part of the game. I mean, I, that was my concern last year when they brought in six players. It's like, how are you going to like fit all of these? Like, it's such a big part of such a huge percentage of your skaters are new players. Like, it feels like too much. 
I think that if you're trying to do that, it's it's going to be too hard to integrate everybody. I think really what you need to do is identify two impact players that can come in and ideally you can acquire them earlier. Uh, you know, that was one thing Lou Lamorello always talked about. And one of the things I think Lamorello was right about is if you can make your trade in December, January or early February, it gives your team that much more time to integrate the new people and, and move forward. Um, but the other thing that you need to keep in mind is that I don't think it's a failure of roster construction. I think it's the reality with the salary cap with, you know, 22 of the 32 teams come into the year at the cap. And if you're acquiring people at the trade deadline, their salary against the cap is only a quarter of what it would be at the beginning of the season. The reality is that teams have to go into the season with holes on their roster just because of the cap. And it's easier to address them in season than it is at the beginning of the year. You just have more cap space. I think that's all right. I think the only thing I would add is when you make, I mean, it's easy to look now and say, well, they got out of Klingberg, but like now you're going to have to trade stuff to replace him. And if you had just not signed him and signed someone different, yeah. signed someone better, you wouldn't have to trade stuff. So like that's where those mistakes actually hurt you would be my thing. But yeah, I think you made the sound points. Uh, Jacob wants to know, has Sheldon Keefe's relationship with Leafs players changed with the new GM, if at all? I don't know if you have anything on that. Not that I can tell. I mean, Keith has a good relationship with the players, though. Like, I think, you know, most of the players like playing for him. And, you know, he's, I know people see on TV kind of him going red faced and yelling and that kind of stuff. But for the most part, that dressing room is, is on board with, with him and what he's trying to do. And most importantly, you know, Tavares and Matthews and some of the big guys are on board with him as the coach. So, um, I, mean, I don't know. Keith seems to take a lot of, I don't know how much you see it, Jonas, but like social media, there seems to be a lot of Keith complaining when they lose games. But I think, you know, with the roster he has and the goaltending that they've gotten, I think he's done a fine job this year. What is the general complaint? I don't know. I think it's just like anytime a coach has been around in Toronto for more than two years, all of a sudden the seat seems to get hot with some people. So, you know, when they were struggling earlier in the year, you know, you go back before this 14 game stretch, people were, there were some people like calling for this job and that kind of stuff. I mean, that happened early last year too, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, they extended him for a long time. I, you know, they made it pretty clear that he's their guy. Yep. <laughs> you have, you have nothing to add. Let's see here. We do. What do we got? One more. Sure. Do, 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 do. Uh, Perry says, I'm a believer that the cup winner needs a top defenseman, which Leafs have, he says, a top center, which they have, and a top goalie that can steal playoff games, which they do not have. Uh, should they give up a package of first-round pick, Easton Cowan or Fraser Minton, and Samsonov to get UC Saros from Nashville? What do you think? I mean, if that's all it took, then <laughs> I, I, I'd be on board. Saros is in the last year of his deal, right? Like that's part of the conversation in Nashville is that he's a guy that um, can potentially walk. I believe I have that right. And Nashville also has that Askarov coming from uh, uh, in the AHL as a top goalie prospect. Saros has one more year. Cap okay. is only $5 million, though. Okay. So the extension is something that they're going to have to think about in the summer or or moving on from him. And 
judging from that game that Nashville played against the Leafs, they are not uh, entering contender status anytime soon. But I believe at last check, they're in a playoff spot. So like, the bottom of the West is brutal this year though. Like it is awful. Chicago, Anaheim, San Jose, like Seattle's bad this year. Calgary's bad. Minnesota's bad. Like th- there's, they're in a playoff spot, but their record's not good. They have 32 points in 29 games. You know, Ryan O'Reilly's having a good season, but you look at Nashville's roster and it's like, well, I don't know. But that's a good example of like the kind of upgrade I was talking about before, like where you actually take a swing and try to get someone who's like legit. Well, I mean, the other guy who's had, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, Jonas, like I, they've like, they've got cap space now. The Leafs do with like, you take the Klingberg number out. I was looking at this the other day and I think I should write a story about how much cap space they have for the deadline. You should. They've, they've, They've got lots of room to maneuver. Like they can bring in a pretty big contract. Well, the other only other guy I was going to mention, but his contract is obviously a bit more of a a meatball. Is is John Gibson? It, like he hasn't had an amazing season, but he's had kind of a bounce back ish season. But he's had so many bad years, though, right? Like, yeah, but like bad teams. I don't know. He's got three more years too at six point four. So mm-hmm. and a ten team no trade according to Cap Friendly. So don't, yeah, don't give money to goalies, Jonas. Just got to be the way. Yeah, until you need one, and then it's like, get someone. Yeah, but just don't give them like lots of term and lots of dollars. And like they, they were so smart in not signing Campbell to the contract that, that Edmonton did. And, you know, they, they were smart, I think, not giving Frederick Anderson a big contract with term when he was a free agent, et cetera, et cetera. Like they've dodged a bunch of yes. grenades with, with goalies. And, you know, only having Samsonov on the one year deal looks really, really smart right now. Indeed. All right. Anything else to add, add James? Uh, let's go. I'll, I'll give you, I'll throw one more at you. Okay. And then we'll close it out here. Uh, Got it. Volan. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Volan uh, says the Leafs underlying metrics are still concerning even during the 14 game stretch with only one regulation loss. However, PDO seems to indicate they're not on any kind of heater. Do you believe there's something they're doing differently with their systems or play that's not showing up? in the data that's contributing to their success and countering their bad expected goals numbers. I mean, their expected goals numbers are not that bad over the stretch, right? Like they've gotten a lot better. Like they're 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 over. Yeah, they're okay. They're slightly better than average, I guess. On the season, they are 19th according to Evolving Hockey. And I think there's something like 11th or 12th over the, I mean, they've been getting better since they got, again, you, you take Klingberg out of the mix and you stop playing Reeves so much and those numbers are going up. Do you think that, I don't know if it's systems. I mean, it just seems like super inconsistency. And the one thing I think too is that with the blue line that they've got, they don't move the puck as well as some of yes. the defenses that we've seen in the past. And yeah, I think that that's part of why they're spending more time in their own end. And also, you know, they have a fourth line that's not effective. They have a third line that's yeah. really only good at generating offense and not good defensively. They're having to play the big guys tons and tons of minutes. Um. I think you add all that together and it's part of the reason they haven't been as dominant, but I've been really surprised that, you know, even in the stretch where they've been winning games, you know, it's not like, like, where's, where is he? Uh, Last 14 games for Mitch Marner. And when he's on the ice, they're at 43% expected goals at five on five. Yeah. Like I, there hasn't been a stretch like that in his career as a leaf where he's been that low for that long a time. And, 
it's it's hard to explain. And Matthews is just over fifty percent. Um, you know, the good possession players that they've had on that stretch, Tavares has pretty good numbers, Nylander has pretty good numbers, uh, Benoit has pretty good numbers, Timmons has pretty good numbers. So the third D pair, uh Bertuzzi's actually number one on the team. But beyond that, there's a lot of mediocrity there. And and the fourth line's been getting filled in. So well, and James, you pointed out that that Klingberg kind of demarcation line. If you look just after he played his last game, they are 22nd in the league in defensive goal rate, expected goals, but they are tied for sixth in actual goal rate, or sorry, expected goal rate offensively. Mm-hmm. It's like they've been scoring more, but defensively they're still just kind of eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that that matches kind of what we've been seeing, yeah. So anyway... Uh, so we'll be back with our final show of the season, not season, season 2023, uh, next Wednesday. So it's December 20th. Uh, first show of 2024 will be Friday, January 5th. So t- stay tuned for that. And then subscribe to the Athletics NHL YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. Anything else to say, James? No, I mean, thanks to everyone for their questions. We'll do this more regularly. So keep checking the app for uh, that call out. We'll do it the the day before we record a show. And, uh, you know, we've got lots of good stuff coming on on the site. So continue to uh, read. And if you're not subscribed, what are you waiting for? Well said, James. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to Punch for our producer. See you next week. Listen next week. Bye, James.